Welcome into Bearcat Rewind, episode number 58 of the podcast. We had a brief hiatus there in January, but thanks for sticking with us as we get things rolling here in early February. And also getting rolling, that's Northwest Missouri State Volleyball. They're in the middle of a run like we haven't seen in more than 20 years. The Bearcats have posted 20 or more wins three times in the last four seasons. 2018 featured the program's first All-American in Maddie Bruder, and today's guest was the MIAA Coach of the Year back in 2018. Amy Worth joins us as her team gears up for the rare spring volleyball season. We spoke with her about the upcoming matches a little bit, but more so dove into her background and what makes her tick as a head coach. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And also Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clorindahealth.com. Today's conversation with Amy Worth goes into her story of how she became a volleyball player, her road to becoming a head coach, and a six-year stretch living in Alaska. Let's dive into this week's episode of the podcast. Today, Bearcat Rewind, we are joined by Northwest Missouri State head volleyball coach Amy Worth and heading into probably one of the hardest seasons that uh, we've had here at Northwest Missouri State and probably in your coaching career overall. Coach, how do you look at this year coming up with games in the spring and, and having the fall wiped out and just having to kind of adjust to everything on the fly? Um, I try to look at it as, it as a positive. You know, at least we're playing. Um, it's been almost a year and a half since our last match, and so from that stance, um, there's no better solution than to play. And um, regardless of when it is, there's never going to be a perfect time. So um, just trying to take it, you know, day by day and, and being grateful for, for getting something this spring. You have to go through and start to get players worked out in the fall and get ready for a season, and then they kind of keep pushing it back, pushing it back, and then take it out of the fall completely, and now they kind of come up with it in the spring. And um, I know a lot more responsibility on kind of coaches to kind of get things rolling here. How do you motivate the players to kind of keep working out, keep lifting, keep doing what you have to individually to be ready whenever we do have matches? Because I'm sure it's not easy for everybody just to step in and be like, well, I really don't know what the end game is, but I'm going to keep working out and keep going. Yeah, I mean, we have great support staff here when it comes to our string conditioning. So I know, you know, our string conditioning coach has done a great job with them and, and putting competitions in front of them, um, you know, from the standpoint of trying to control our controllables in the fall and um, trying to figure out all the COVID restrictions and testing and stuff like that. We knew it was going to take time. So, um, you know, we told them there's going to be a season. Um, we were pretty confident in that in the spring. And then just trying to get them excited about doing the process in the gym. And, you know, today is our first practice that we're going to really get after it. You know, we've been trying to build up from the standpoint of getting a lifting base underneath them because we are off around nine weeks uh, there for Christmas vacation. So, um, you know, it definitely keeps you on your toes as a coach to not do the same things because we can't. Um, so you learn things along the way and apply it. And, and as you said, flexible has been something that we definitely had, have had to, been, had to be. If we look at this current era of Bearcat volleyball, 20-plus uh, win seasons uh, in three of the last four years, it's the best stretch for Northwest Missouri State since the late 90s. If, if a recruit asks or if someone were to come up and ask, how do you characterize yourself as a coach? Is it, are you an X's and O's? Are you 
see yourself as a big motivation person, uh, just prepping for the opponents. How does Amy Worth characterize herself? Um, I was really lucky in my career that um, even down to my junior high experience, high school experience, and then college experience, the influence that was there in all three of those was from the same person. And so I went to Graceland College, and it turned into Graceland University while I was there. Um, and Stu McDowell's been there for 40-plus years. Um, and my junior high coach played there, and then my high school coach played there. So I've been very, very fortunate to have it all, you know, six steps to Kevin Bacon. We laugh because it's the six steps to Stu McDowell. Um, he's been around for a really long time, and just, you know, I probably gather my coaching style from him. You know, and he was a mentor leader. He wanted to not just make it about X's and O's. He wanted to make it about, you know, um, beyond, vo- you know, life beyond volleyball. So um, I was really lucky just to have every volleyball experience around me be influenced by him. And, and so I think that's my biggest influence of what, you know, I would describe myself as a mentor leader because I was mentored. And I think any time that you receive something that you really enjoyed, which I did, clearly it changed my life and my direction of my life. You know, you want to do the same things for your players. So, um, you know, relationships are a big deal to me. I spend a lot of time getting to know our players. Um, I spend a, a lot of time getting to know our recruits. Um, and it all starts there. And then we spend a lot of time on team chemistry and how, how we feel like our team is going to best work together. And, um so we, we spend a lot of, you know, time on the relationships, and I spend a lot of time one-on-one with our players, as do our other coaches. So, To be able to go through and have that foundation, starting back as a junior high player that carries you through your college career, I mean, that's, that's something that's kind of unheard of. Going back to your roots of Holden, Missouri, a small town of about, what, 2,300 south of Kansas City, what, did you think about, I mean, was volleyball on your mind of, of playing collegially from the get-go, or, or how did that process come about? I was a huge basketball player, um, and my high school coach was the junior high coach for sixth grade, um, and I was in the sixth grade class and had basketball shoes on, probably basketball shorts on. Everything was Michael Jordan, you know. I had everything under the sun with him on it, and um shot all the time. Pistol Pete was a big thing that I paid attention to. So I was all basketball. And she asked me if I wanted to go out for volleyball. And I was like, volleyball? Like, I'd have to get a new pair of shoes and, like, I'd have to wear those knee pads that look like, at the time, Ninja Turtle, um, <laughs> you know, shells on your knees. Um, and so she was like, yeah, I think you should come out. And so I did. And um, I didn't necessarily have it on my brain at that point. I was probably still more of a basketball player type idea but the longer I um, again was influenced by you know the leaders in my life for volleyball um, the more I actually you know fell in love with it and so um, I knew I wanted to play in college for volleyball once I got to high school and um, you know I'm a high achiever so I always wanted to be the best I could be and kind of had some different coaches um, up until my junior year for basketball and then got a really good coach my junior and senior year, and, and she, again, influenced me, and I wanted to play basketball um, in college, too. So at Graceland, my freshman year, I actually did both and um, clearly stuck with volleyball after that. So, um, But, yeah, it, it's something that definitely fell in my lap, but it was because, again, just that influence that I talked about in a small town of 2,300. I mean, you don't 
you don't get that very often to have, you know, the coincidence that happened. Um, so it was really, really fun to be a part of and fun to look back on it. I had no idea you played high school or college basketball as well at Graceland there that first year. If yeah, anybody I say, anybody I comes say in I was and any good. <laughs> <laughs> you're being modest now. I, I would assume if anybody comes in and like, man, I'm you know, I'm having a hard time of taking, you know, twelve credit hours plus I've got practice. You're like, I've done it all. I, I played basketball, I played volleyball, I was out there a full time student. I mean, that's a workload going through. Yeah, both. I was doing double practices. You know, once I got done with volleyball, I'd go over and do my dribbling practice and shooting practice for basketball. Clearly, I didn't go to the practice um, when we had the overlap. But um, the challenging thing was I really didn't feel like I was in basketball shape until volleyball or until basketball was basically over. Um, just because I was never solely with the basketball team. So, um, but, but I saw the light and, and picked volleyball. So. So I had the chance to just briefly pick the brain of uh, your high school volleyball coach, Julie Carver. She <laughs> talked about you being very cerebral and, and just always a coach out there, your competitive nature, which we still see that um, day in, day out here at Northwest Missouri State. But an all-state player uh, at Holden and leading the team to a 1995 state championship, the first volleyball state championship ever. I mean, that has to be huge, those formative years of kind of making that transition to volleyball and having so much success and just kind of finding your groove there. I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, my uh, sophomore year is when we won a state title and we had six seniors uh, that were determined. I mean, we were going to win. It didn't matter. Um, and it was fun to see a senior class kind of take on coach Carver, not in a negative way, but like in a positive way that like they would influence practice and be like coach Carver double or nothing. Like we want to get this drill done. And so she, it was fun to see her in positions that she'd never been in, and it was really fun, I'm sure, for her, too, to have a team kind of push back at her. And so, um, and it was really because of that senior class. And so when we won the state title, it was down at Central Missouri, which is only about 20 minutes away from our small town. Um, and the whole crowd, you know, the whole town came, and uh, really, really neat atmosphere to be a part of. And I grew up going to the multipurpose building, you know, to shoot on Sundays and stuff or go swimming or whatever. Um, so it was like home to all of us and that's not usual. That's not a usual thing for state championships. A lot of the time you have to travel somewhere or it's a neutral site. So, um, we kind of had the home, the home crowd advantage and, um, ended up, you know, winning the, the pool play on the first day and went undefeated and then got into the championship against Festus. And, um, that was back in the day when we, we just went to, 15 I think back in the day I can't even remember now um but the the cool part about this whole story was that we, we won and our hometown um newspaper took a picture and of course as soon as you won you either like dog pile on the ground or you like run up to each other and standing and, and we were the standing crew and all six of those seniors were seen in the picture like you couldn't see me at all um, I was in the middle and I just thought it was a really fitting picture because, you know, again, um, we were taken that far because of a determined, determined class. And, and, you know, it was really, really fun to be a part of that. And it's just a very special, it almost seems like a daydream still kind of looking up and seeing all the, all the crowd that we had and how, how much they really supported us through our, our state run. When you think about that in a small town and in the success that you have there, 
do you feel that some of that builds up and you see some parallels with Maryville to where when Northwest Volleyball's climbing and some big matches, and of course right now we can't have it, but you get some really good crowds inside Bearcat Arena. Does it still have that kind of, man, it was great playing small-town high school volleyball and having everybody fill in like this, and you get a little bit of that same atmosphere here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely gone more that direction. I know there wasn't a lot of people that came to our games um, right at the beginning, but, you know, now that we've had success and, you know, they say that winning gets bust in the seats, I think, and, and that's true. And I, th- I think one of the mo- most um, crowds we've ever had, the biggest crowd that we've ever had, was when we played uh, UCM for the first round of the conference tournament um, Maddie Bruder's senior year, so it would have been 2018. Um, there was a lot of people there, and we always know we draw better on the weekdays versus the weekend, and it was a Tuesday. So uh, that was the most people we've ever had in the gym for volleyball, and it was a cool, pretty cool atmosphere to be a part of. And I know Nebraska Kearney was pretty packed last year when we played him. We were both, you know, ranked in the country, you know, top 10 we were, and I think they were number two or three. So it, it's just fun to know that um, – I know as a player, maybe I wasn't understanding it. Um, but I think as a coach, you start to understand it clearly because, you know, you have more perspective. But I, I definitely looked at Elena when we had that Central Missouri game and said, hey, we, we've built this, you know, and, and we've put this together. It's just really fun to be a part of and, and to see the perspective of it. You mentioned growing up down the road from Warrensburg. Was there any thought to becoming a, a Ginny and going to UCM instead? Um, no, not really. I mean, I was a five, six setter and, um, was kind of a player that really liked to run a five one, which I didn't want to share my setting time. Like I understand the perspective of running what's best for the team, but like, if you had to give me a choice, like I just like to run it all. Um, which is probably why I'm a coach, but, um, just from the standpoint of trying to do that at a division two, I wasn't big enough. I knew that. Um, and so, because I also wanted to play two sports, um, I knew I was going to have to go like NAI to be able to do that. So um, I, I didn't look into it, but we did have two of our seniors on that um, state championship team actually go and walk on um, to central Missouri. So I at least had some like experience from their insight to, to understand um what it was like to play at Central, and and clearly I've known Flip. You know, he was the assistant coach at that point. Uh, I've known him since I was 15, you know, or 14 whenever I started high school. So uh, it's just been fun to be able to to understand that program's there and then to have success against them, at, you know, lately has been really fun too. And we've gotten some pretty big wins down there at Central Missouri on their home court, which um, having my family all right there is, is really fun to see. And, and most of my family has gone to Central, so – I think that's the fun part about it too, is I can get a little, a little punching on them a little bit about beating the Jenny. So they're a little more green in their closet than they used to be now. Yeah, for sure. It's a little, uh, it's a, definitely asking for more Bearcat gear at Christmas than um, seeing any more Central Missouri stuff sitting around. And um, my nephew actually came up here. Christian Phelps went to you know helped with the men's basketball team as their GA. So. We definitely had our, our fair share of adding the green to, to the family. <laughs> so you go on to play at Graceland, first team, all-conference, all-region, all honorable mention, all-American, standout career there. Was it when you're at Graceland that you kind of realized that maybe going to coaching 
is is the direction you want to go? Yeah, so um, I kind of wanted to be a nurse going in as my uh, my my degree for undergrad and my major. And then I found out that I couldn't go to Graceland for four straight years because of the clinicals. Um, they actually have an independence campus, so you'd have to transfer down to independence. And, um, you know, just not a surprise, I'm sure, to hear this, but I wasn't going to give up, you know, volleyball after two years. I wanted to play for four. So I told myself if I really wanted to go do that degree that I'd have to go get go to an accelerated nursing program or something. And so kind of was setting myself up for that piece of um, looking that direction. And so then I said, well, I'm just going to get a health and wellness program management degree. Um, and when that happened, um, I think that was probably my sophomore year, but also with Stu McDowell, um, he, he had ran the longest running camps ever in the United States. Um, USA Volleyball um, had asked him to start doing camps in the Midwest, and that was before any Division One did any camps at all. Um, so he was the, the big camp, and he he brought all the USA Volleyball thought processes and training and why you coached and how do you give feedback and kind of the whole idea of you are a teacher, and this is how you get the most out of practices so they transfer to a match. And um me being analytical, you know, I love to hear that stuff. And there's, you don't just roll the ball out. Like as a coach, you actually have a reason why you're doing what you're doing. And so that really excited, you know, excited me. And, and we just did camps in the summer and I did camps because I wanted to stay in shape and be in the gym and set the ball as much as possible and be around, you know, the weight room and stuff. So, um, I started taking up camps and went all the way up until my senior year of doing summer camps. And I was really good at it. You know, I had my own court, um, started training players. And a big thing, you know, that we find beneficial is that when our players become coaches in the summer, they become a lot better players in the fall. And it's because you understand it at a higher level or you understand how to be more coachable because maybe you're not, you know, very coachable when it comes to the fall. But all of a sudden when you have to coach someone and they're not very coachable, you kind of get the whole idea and the premise of, you know, listening to your coach and being very coachable. So there's just so many positives that you get out of it. Well, because I loved it and fell in love with coaching in the summer and um, spent a lot of time around volleyball, like that's when I knew I wanted to coach. And so um, changed, you know, my career path when it came to getting my degree. I still got it, but I wanted to get my master's after that. So um, that was the next step for me when it came to the coaching piece. So, yeah. And it seems to have worked out. I mean, I think uh, right now, and still plenty of time left to add to it, but third all-time in wins right now at Northwest, third in winning percentage. So the success has obviously come as you've come here. But between your stops at Northwest, because GA and now a head coach, you spent some time in Alaska Fairbanks. How does that opportunity to come up to be able to go up and uh, a university that we don't get to see come through Maryville too often, but to, to be able to go up there and be an assistant and, and work your way up the ranks there? So um, after I got my master's, well, I got my master's here at Northwest um, with a GA. They didn't have an assistant at the time, so it was the head coach, uh, Lori Slight, and me. And so I got my master's and after that, I was like, well, now I need to go get my first head coaching job. And our convention is around the NCAA Division um, One Final Four. So I go to convention, and 
start having my resumes and passing them out and clearly in a good spot when it comes to getting my name out there because Stu knows so many people because when he did all his camps, a whole bunch of Division One coaches would come and actually do camps with him. Um, he had Olympians come and do camps for him because, uh, as I said before, it was really all that was out there. Um, and so from the standpoint of connections, Stu has a lot of connections, so he was shopping me around. Um, and then the men's program was also coached by a, a man named Stu, but Stu Sherman, and his dad also uh, was in volleyball. Uh, he was in USA Volleyball. And so a lot of them have connections throughout the country. And so I walked around the convention just meeting so many people um, and just trying to get my name out there saying I'm looking for an assistant position. And I remember sitting down at one of the evening like socials and I looked across the table and there's this guy that um, had a beard on and he shot across the table, you know, a job, a job listing for Alaska Fairbanks. And I was like, what the heck, Alaska, are you kidding me? And so I did my research on them and they're division two and I was at a division two. Um, and I started going down that route, interviewed, um, actually went up to Fairbanks to interview cause, um, you really do need to see the place before you want to live there. Um, especially being Alaskan. So I just knew being, you know, 25 years old and I wasn't, you know, married or settled down with anyone. And this was my time to kind of go and explore and do something that was outside the box. And um, I knew it was going to be challenging, and uh, it, it is because of just the location when it comes to recruiting. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was just a fun part, you know, fun to be a part of. Um, and another Graceland connection, um, the guy who ended up hiring me had gone to Graceland for a year, so he had the, and he'd done camps with Stu, so he knew um, Stu McDowell. So um, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I knew him, and he was working real hard to try to get me to Alaska. He definitely had to talk me into it. But um, once you get up there, they say you either love it or hate it. Um, your first winter is really, really hard. But after that, like you, kind of, it kind of grows on you. And then um, there's just so many outdoor opportunities. I've never had that really around here in the winter. So um, definitely enjoyed my time up there and then enjoyed the challenge of recruiting to a place that is extremely hard to to sell to people. Um, there's only a limited amount of people that really will respond to you when you say you're from Alaska. So they have to be pretty adventurous. Um, so a lot of hard work there, but learned a lot of things about recruiting. Um, you know, learned a lot of things about life in general. So I just think it really was a, a huge springboard for me to be able to, you know, do what I've done here at Northwest. Now, a couple of years after you left and came back to Northwest as an assistant coach, the head coach up there ended up stepping aside and the, the assistant coach that was hired to replace you took over as the head coach. Yep. Was there any thought? I mean, did, did you like it enough that you're like, man, if I would have stuck around, I could have led the program or was it kind of, I've served my time. I'm ready to get out of here. I think that's an interesting question because there was, um, it, it did end up that way. Um, I had an opportunity here with how everything fell here that I was, I, I believe at that point I had been the interim head coach uh, for a season here and they were going to offer me the job here or I could turn it down and I knew Northwest obviously and I was living here or I could turn that down or go interview and potentially um, turn this job down or open it up for a national search um, 
if I went the route of trying to see if Alaska was going to work for me. And, um, you know, the biggest thing for me was it's just so hard to recruit in Alaska. And, um, you know, I spent my my time here and I knew how easy it was to easier, easier it was to recruit here. Um, and, and recruiting is everything. So, um, bottom line, I would have loved to have been up there if the situation would have worked from the standpoint of, um, a similar recruiting situation. I might've chosen that route, but, um, I just thought from a life standpoint and next steps and raising a family and stuff down here made a lot more sense, um, for those next steps in my, my life. Your first three years at Northwest, and obviously later you eventually MIAA coach of the year. Maddie Bruder was the first all American program history. Big things have happened. Those first three years, under 500 as you're trying to build things up, does doubt creep in your mind at all during that stretch at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd never, uh, I'd never turned a program around. I'd never ran a program before, um, you know, and I, I talked to a lot of my coaches trying to figure out what to do and my mentors and, um, you know, me and Elena, uh, luckily, you know, the, the blessing in all of this um, is she's been with me the whole entire time. And, and that's, it's such a blessing because we've done this together and I've never done this by myself. And um, from the standpoint of us getting better together, I think that was the cool part about it, too. And, um, you know, we honed in our recruiting skills and got better at what we were doing there. You know, but Elena takes the the lead on the recruiting, and she just continued to improve on her eye and, and what we we needed and how we needed to uh, get it done. And I just think, from the standpoint of being able to turn it around, it was more about understanding what kind of culture we wanted, and then driving towards that culture, and then recruiting kids that we felt like fit that culture. Well, things have worked out as Northwest Missouri State is uh, climbing those MIAA ranks and a perennial contender at this point uh, within the conference. So I've kept you for a long time. I want to hit you with a few quick ones, and then I'll let you go if that's okay. Yep, that works. I assume, since you lived in, the, in Alaska, you had to have seen the Northern Lights. Well, what's that like in person? Um, it is a very interesting, like, if you're not... The first time I saw the Northern Lights, I was probably driving home from someone's house, hanging out or something, and I wasn't necessarily looking to see the Northern Lights. Um, and because I wasn't searching out for them, it's something that kind of overwhelms you from the standpoint that you feel like you're seeing something, you know. Um, and so, but it, they're gorgeous. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just um, just an unusual thing that you don't ever see. It's, it's I don't know, fairly spiritual when you look at it because they are moving. And, um, you know, I spent a lot more time, you know, searching out the Northern Lights after that. And, you know, they had some hot springs that you can go and sit and look at the Northern Lights. And um, just a very unique experience of um, beauty that, you know, that you don't ever get to see around here. I feel like you're saying for my next vacation, I should probably fly to Alaska, find the hot springs, and then just kick back and relax. Yeah, you have to do it in the middle of winter. That's middle winter, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we'll there's a works. lot of um, international crews that come in that their sole purpose is to um, go out to the 
see the Northern Lights and then go into the hot springs, and they all wear the same outfit that are all snowsuits. So when they're at the local grocery stores and stuff, um, you definitely know they're going to find the Northern Lights. But, um, yeah, huge, huge draw. But the one downside is it's definitely you have to do it in the winter because that's when you get those lights. All right, gotcha. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Next one, at the Northwest Athletic Offices, Pound for pound, who's the best athlete in the coaches' offices, the administrative offices, right now at Northwest? The best athlete among the coaches? Yeah. Top to bottom. Oh. Um, well, I, you know, I've done Team Jacks with some of them, um, so I can at least see the athletic ability of the coaches that way. <laughs> and some that don't have it is what you're saying? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would have to say that uh, I mean, I'm the only female head coach, so there's not a lot to choose from that standpoint of the coaches piece. There are, um, I know, you know, Kirsten Orton is a nice athlete from a female standpoint, and there's nothing wrong with Laura either. But uh, from the standpoint of if I had to pick who the best athlete is right now, um, I would probably say one of the two, Brandon Clayton or um, Ben McCollum would be the two that I would look at from that standpoint of um, athleticism. I know that, you know, Austin Myers is a great athlete. I know Andy Peterson is a great athlete, um, you know, and back in their heyday for sure. But just right now where they're standing, maybe Zach, I mean, he's still younger. But that's, that would be my, hey, I'm a coach. I'm in the, like, grown-up world. I have family and all that stuff. I would say it was probably those two, Brandon and, and Coach Mack. So. I feel like you're being modest, and we don't need to give McCollum anything else to fuel that ego right now. You know? No, you don't. You don't, <laughs> but he, he gets after it. He gets after it, that's for sure. All right, last one. Uh, you're intense. You're a competitor. You're always out there competing. What books, what podcasts, what do you go to for to add fuel to that or something that kind of takes you away from it completely? What would you recommend? Podcasts? Books or podcasts or anything. Um, I'm big on, there's a podcast called coach your brains out and it's a, it's a volleyball podcast. Um, and it, it just interviews a lot of different style types of coaches. It doesn't have to be volleyball, but coach, coach your brains out is a good one. Um, it does go into talking about, um, you know, transfer skills from practice and, and to the game so that so they get down to motor programming, they get down to um, you know, kinesthetic awareness and and more into that area which um, I, I like that research area of how why you coach the way you coach and how you get the most out of your players and um, from from a body standpoint and from a teaching standpoint. Um, book wise, um, I don't know, I'm 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 pretty Simplistic when it comes to like John Gordon is a, a big one that I like just because he's simple. And um, another area that I had gotten into kind of in the early years of my career was uh, a group of people called Proactive Coaching. Um, and they just have these little booklets and pamphlets that I think just do a really good job of talking about culture. And I'm just talking about leadership and how, how you develop that within your program. And um, I really found those book, those pamphlets to be really important um, just in how I 
structure my program and, and how I kind of take what's in my brain and put it in a put it in a way that our players can buy into it, you know, um, and give it some structure. And so, um, you know, coaching philosophy and that kind of stuff, how you get it to where you want it to be. So the gr- the girls buy in, I think, is, is a huge piece of what I've tried to do over the years here, too. So um, those would be some of it. Um, I, I wouldn't say I have a lot of books that I don't read that aren't, you know, volleyball associated. Um, but I'm probably more of a magazine fan, you know, in the evenings kind of pick up magazines um, and just kind of take my brain off the day. So just something to decompress and kind of get out of it completely. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, put the boys to bed and kind of sit with them and end up reading magazines and decompress. But yeah, I'm not real big on movies or shows because as you know, when you raise kids, they kind of sometimes rule that. TV in the evening, so um, I end up kind of doing something different. But but yeah, definitely can decompress with some good magazine. Find that the later bedtime gets, the less likely it is I'm going to have any time to watch a movie or in a TV show. Might as well go straight to bed at that point. So yeah, I'm with you there. (laughs) Well, coach, whatever you're doing, keep it up because it's working. We we appreciate you coming on the podcast and an unusual spring, but. Fortunately, we get volleyball games coming up here in the next couple weeks, so we appreciate it, and good luck. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Thanks again to Amy Worth for joining us on Bearcat Rewind today. The season for Northwest Volleyball starts February 20th. The Bearcats match up with Pittsburgh State and Missouri Southern. The first home match will be February 24th against Washburn. And in case you missed the recent episodes of the podcast have included Miranda Mazera, Joe Quinlan, and Colin McDonough, Ben McCollum, Joel Osborne, and many more, so be sure to check those out. We appreciate the intro and outro being produced by Northwest Missouri State Professor Alex Kurt. Thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next time.